0: Adventures in Sci-Fi Publishing, Episode 293. Hugo Awards Reaction on the Eve of Finalist Announcements and Late to the Pratchett Party. And now, constructed on a zeppelin by an apprentice mage and delivered by a rocket ship to a benevolent dragon, Adventures in the Sci-Fi Publishing. Sci-fi Welcome to Adventures in Sci-Fi Publishing, your podcast for science fiction and fantasy media. This is Brent Bowen. We're going to call a little bit of an audible. We're going to change things up. I think last week I would promised you all a panel from Carrie Elwes of Princess Bride fame, and we're going to put that off at least a week because Christy and I, I'll keep my comments pretty abbreviated here because Christy and I spent about 45 minutes together chatting the week leading up to the Hugo Award announcements and our commentary so I'm recording this the Friday before the announcements are released and our comments are really based on the lead up to the finalists being announced and there the the scuttle button discussion is either extremely prescient or way off the mark, so we'll see. And because I'm not into revisionist history, we're gonna give to you essentially what Christy and I's thoughts were leading up to the finalists being announced. And as part of that, I'm I'm proud to say, although you'll hear my remarks in the discussion Christy and I have too, I was a bit ambivalent about some of the finalist announcements. But uh, I'm proud to say, Adventures in Sci-Fi Publishing is among the finalists for Best Fan Cast this year. And as a group, I know we're very excited. We're also going to be discussing Terry Pratchett and his work and what he meant to both Christy and me. And I know we're late to the party, both in my personal respect and my personal experience, I was late to the party on his work. And I know we're late to the party from the standpoint of discussing his passing a few weeks ago, but we felt that he was such a such a, an iconic member of the science fiction and fantasy community that we couldn't let a show go by without, without discussing him as a human being, as well as him as an author. So without me rambling on, Christy and I spend uh, a bit of time talking about both of those topics, as well as introducing a, a new member of the show. This episode is brought to you by Edge of Dark by Brenda Cooper. What if a society banished its worst nightmare to the far edge of the solar system, destined to sip only dregs of light and struggle for the barest living? And yet, that life thrived. It grew and learned and became far more than you ever expected. And it wanted to return to the sun. What if it didn't share your moral compass in any way? The Glittering Edge duology describes the clash of forces When an advanced society that has filled the solar system with flesh and blood, life, meets the near AIs that it banished long ago. This is a story of love for the wild and natural life on a colony planet. Complex adventure set in powerful space stations and the desire to live completely, whether you are made of flesh and bone or silicon and carbon fiber. In Edge of Dark, meet Ranger Charlie Windar and his adopted wild predator, and explore their home on a planet that has been raped and restored more than once. Meet Nona Hall, child of power and privilege from the greatest station in the system, the Diamond Deep. Meet Nona's best friend, a young woman named Crystal, who awakens in a robotic body. To learn more, come to the show notes, episode 291 or 292. And click on the image that you will see from Edge of Dark by Brenda Cooper. In fact, we're giving away a copy of Edge of Dark, U.S. residents only. And to enter, email us at publishing at gmail.com. Or share a tweet or Facebook post about episode 291 or episode 292. And don't forget to tag us, folks. That will provide you a double entry into the giveaway. So, with that, I'm just going to go ahead and let you guys get into our discussion.
1: I saw, like, you know, Sarah Sarah White posted, and a, a few a few other authors, and Chuck Wendig, and such. But I guess, apparently, and and this is sort of I I don't know how much of this is valid or not, or just people gossiping, or who knows. But apparently, this. Sad puppy's campaign swept the Hugo ballot this year, and this is so. And of course, this is nobody should actually know this because nobody should be talking about whether or not they got a Hugo nomination. But I guess friends and stuff chatting with each other have have sort of figured it out or figured out who hasn't gotten one, etc. And yeah, so that's been the big that's been the big news the last couple of days is just rage over over this. It, it's sort of interesting because you sort of watch the sad puppy stuff pop up, and they're just sort of like you know. Well, we, we, you know, so what, but the really angry blogs.
0: Yeah. Fascinating. It is, it is fascinating. And, uh, you know, we might as well just launch into some of that. I, it, well, that's what, I don't know if you saw, I tweeted out from the, the show's account, a blog post from Teresa Nielsen Hayden. I with,
1: I read that. Yep.
0: With, well, boy, you had a couple of, you had an hour to burn on all the comment thread that was, there were. Last I checked, there was north of five hundred comments.
1: Yeah, I well, I left, I left that, I left that that alone. I, I read through a couple, and that was the end of it. <laughs> I, I read through one or two, scanned, and then I went, okay, I'm done.
0: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, but of the same, of the same ilk, was that essentially the sad puppy slate swept all of the nominations in a given yeah. category. Yeah. And so you had a lot of people rallying on that blog talking about, well, I'm going to make sure I get the money together and then encourage others to get the money together even though they weren't able to nominate. Now we're going to make sure we get the money together to, to vote, mm-hmm. to buy a membership to vote. Mm-hmm. So it really, it really brings into question this whole two-prong process of needing to get in by a certain deadline to nominate yeah and then needing to get in to buy another deadline to vote because yeah. you have a lot of people that essentially then could get on and create a no vote situation and a no winner absolutely. Situ- situation in any given ca- in any given category
1: no absolutely yeah
0: yeah it's crazy that that's the gist of what Teresa was saying in her blog post too so when that's why I was clarifying when you said what what's scuttlebutt now? Yeah, it's um, yeah. The I saw some of the scuttlebutt on on making light, and then it was interesting because Larry Correa ended up posting a blog post saying, "Well, they're finally being honest now."
1: Yeah, no, and that and that was you know, and I, I read I, obviously I read the Larry one because I, I follow him, and the Sarah White one that he linked to as well. But yeah, no, it, it's it's very very interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah. So Christy and I are recording this and having this conversation, knowing on what is it? It's a, it's a is it a Tuesday or Wednesday evening? It's a Tuesday evening because Wednesday you'll be at NorwestCon. Yep. Uh A Tuesday evening, and she and I both know, as showrunners, that essentially we've been shortlisted for the Hugo's and the FanCast category. And you want to you want to talk about your feelings about about that? Just on the heels of the the <laughs> discussion we were just having.
1: Yeah, it's kind of awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I've been listening to this show for years. It's 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 so I think it's awesome about the nomination. I I think that's absolutely fantastic. You know, I I think Sean deserves tons of credit, but it's it. Yeah, you know it's I have been thrilled about it.
0: Yeah, you. What about you? Well, you can't see me. So just so folks, I most people that know me know I'm as long as it's not going to hurt anybody, I'm relatively transparent about the process. And so when I received the email, my first, I I was ambivalent. I will be honest with you about some of the recognition and it, my first response considered it for, for a while and then as you know I sent an email basically to you and Sean asking permission and making sure that you guys were okay with accepting the nomination and part of that had to do with my ambivalence but and some of that ambivalence I mean is we're having this conversation around potentially the sad puppy slate sweeping any given category I was weighing a lot of things as I was looking at whether we accept that nomination or not and a lot of the things that were going through my head were well, did the sad puppy slate because we were on that slate and we didn't remove ourselves from the equation is that the sole reason we made that ballot and because we essentially brought them on the show which is I still am not I'm still gonna say is the right decision for us to explore this conversation and provide an opportunity to ask questions and not just not just essentially barrage one another with back and forth. We actually were able to ask questions and follow up and clarify with both a perspective of anti and pro what they were trying to accomplish. And so but I was sitting there thinking going was sad puppies the only reason that we ended up on the ballot. And then I had to think about, so I've been a voting member of the Hugos and a nominating member of the Hugos the last three out of the last four years. So last year was an absolute train wreck for me and I didn't end up participating Mm -hmm. in any way, shape or form. But I'd been on and seen what the nomination processes look like. And so what they'll do after the award ceremony, for those that aren't familiar is after the award ceremony is over, they will give they will give a full report, or at least I've seen that this was done at ShyCon that I recall. They give a full rec- report of all of the nominees, whether they were shortlisted or whether they just didn't make the cut. And I remember at Con the Adventures in Sci-Fi Publishing, and I was on the show at that time, and I remember reaching out to Sean after the awards and saying, do you realize and I I'm gonna forget the exact number, but I'm if memory serves, it was we were within single digits. It was like maybe nine votes for from us and the show making it on to the short list. So we were close. I mean we were really close to making yeah. it on the short list. So having that perspective and then also thinking about Sean I, I was thinking about Sean. So you bring up Sean. Yes, I do. And I was thinking about Sean through this process. And as I was thinking about Sean and his nine years of hard frickin' labor and love for this show and knowing that really his stint, for all intents and purposes, is through. Yeah. This was his last opportunity to be able to, to be yes. on the, the final ballot. And when I was factoring in all those decisions around, did sad puppies influence this for us being on the slate? Sure they did. There's no way to, to deny that they didn't have some effect on whether we're on, but then also to think about the way I want to present the show is, a you know, being a balanced show being something that we're going to explore, whether we agree with you or not agree with you, we're going to have you on the show. So people just yeah. need to get over it and people, yep, you absolutely. Know, and you have a choice if you don't, If you don't like the guests we have on the show, and you're uh, an individual that that, you're that close to that discussion, you have a choice and to not listen. And we'd rather you not. We'd rather you listen and, and, and get involved in the conversation. But everybody has a choice in the matter. And so when I factored all of that in, and I was thinking about Sean, and I was thinking about how close we've been in the past and, and I, but also thinking about sad puppies, it, it, I was truly ambivalent. And I'm also sitting there thinking too, and you and I are going to hear talk about Terry Pratchett in a minute. Yep. But I, I had also just finished reading, uh, Joe Walton's piece that I think the day that I got the, uh, the, do you accept this nomination email from, uh, (laughs) from, from the awards committee I had just finished Joe Walton's piece, and and Terry Pratchett, famously one year, declined a nomination. So I'm sitting there weighing all that, and, and I honestly, I, I gave serious consideration to saying not doing it. But at the same time, for all the reasons I mentioned, and reaching out to you both, and when I heard back from Sean, and Sean was like, are you crazy? Yes, except that's where... I decided, yeah, let's, let's go ahead and pull the trigger. So I am excited, but I am cautiously, (laughs) I am cautiously. I,
1: you know, and I, I think too, and this, this is just from my, my own, well, you know, two things you talk about, which is first off with the idea I, I, and I, I should probably admit, admit here, I, I was, you know, I, I think I was the one who really, really pushed to get the sad puppies on the show. And, and I, I, did that last year too. I, I really wanted to, um, to either talk to them or, or to, to do an do an article about them because I thought, thought it was important. And I, I think absolutely. Like, I mean, I think that definitely, um, influenced that, uh, that the show's on the ballot, but at the same time, you know, one, I, I think a lot of people who, who do follow said puppies are in fact, reading the books, talking about them, checking out the fan casts before they actually stick them on the ballot or vote. So, you know, it's, it's, if, if, if they enjoyed the show or they enjoyed the coverage, then great. You know, um, I, I, I don't know. It's, I, I have, uh, I don't know. I, I never like to see anything. I, I hate to see mudslinging in general. So it's, you know, as I said as well, I've I've been nominating and voting for, well, I've been nominating because it's never been on the ballots before, but, um, I've, I've nominated Adventures in Sci-Fi before because I really enjoyed the podcast, you know, before obviously I was on it. So I, I was thrilled, you know, to see that, uh, to see that happen. So, but, and, and, you know, to see Sean get some, some recognition as well, cause he really has done a fantastic job on this thing. But yeah, anyways, it's fascinating watching, um, I, I think it's gonna be interesting to see some of the controversy come up. And as you said with the show too, it's the the point is discourse and discussion. Like I mean, um, and and you coined that. And I, I think it's I think it's a great motto to go by, in that when you cut off the option to converse with somebody whose opinion differs with you. I like I'm I'm probably as a for for a lot of our listeners, I'm guessing they're probably in the U.S. I'm I'm Canadian, so I'm up there on the show on the socialist level. Just the fact that I happen to be Canadian, but I agree. You know, it's I've never I, for me it's fascinating because I've never felt, you know, sort of in in living living in a you know more socialist country than the U.S. There I've never felt pressure that it has to be one or the other. You know, we we've got a conservative leaning party, we've got mid range parties, we've got um, you know, more of a left-leaning party. And all I it's not one or the other. All agree with different policies and things from from all of them for different reasons. And and I just don't see why all sorts of things can't be like that. Why why can't literature be like that? Why can't writers be like that? I might disagree with something, but you know, what, you know, it's it's it's, it's an interesting it's an interesting mindset.
0: It is. I'll leave it there. It <laughs> is an interesting mindset and I and I feel bad this discussion will certainly be interesting watching going forward as the voting process takes place. And that's why I said I'm cautiously enthused Mm -hmm. because what I'm a really, I'm trying to see whether we're just going to have, and I think Larry had mentioned this talking about these, these barbarians at the gates. Yeah. And, you know, you and I had some conversation before we really launched into this and I may include that around have the barbarians gone into the gates, and they're just savaging the village? Uh, and will the retaliation be equally violent? Yeah. In, in the voting process, and yeah. I'm I'm hopeful that people will retain an open mind and vote on the merits of the works. And truly review the quality of the works through the sample packages, and make their own conclusions through the sample materials, which are yes. generally which are provided, provided that the artist includes them, and not just make a conclusion based on somebody being on a given slate or not on a given slate. And it's really sad. So one of the things and. I've had a, a few exchanges back and forth with the the skiffy and fancy folks, Sean Duke being one because I've been favorite. I've been favor. It's all been positive. It's all been good. But absolutely, yeah. With, with Sean, where I've been watching some of his conversation because I follow uh, follow both he and, and Paul Wimmer on Twitter. You know the way Twitter works is you see that regardless, you don't even need to be following certain terms. Which I do that for a living. So I kind of uh, on certain things I do. I will do that for the show. I'll follow certain terms for a week or so to see if something's going on. And it whether it's Sad Puppies related or if it's Flex or it's Planet Comic Con, whatever we've had on in the short stint, you and I've been together. But one of the things I've really been watching, and so I was favoriting a lot of Sean Dukes and a lot of that, a lot of his tweets and a lot of that has to do with the fact that I'm on the go. During my J job, I'm in a meeting and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I don't want to go look at this. And he he sent me a tweet and he said, well, you know, Brent must agree with me because of all the favorites. So he and I went back and forth a little bit. But Mm -hmm. one of the things I've really been watching is poor Paul has been apologizing profusely on Twitter. And I saw it again today about how he calls it diplomatic, but how what I call thoughtful he was and respectful he was on our show for actually taking a moment to consider the sad puppy's position and logically break it down. And he, he's he been on Twitter apologizing for the fact that he's been this thoughtful in actually internalizing thinking about it before he responds. And I And I told him, I I ended up responding to him directly, and I said, Paul, you should not have to apologize for that. Uh, Thoughtful does not equal weak. It does not equal soft. It does not, it it equals strength and character in my mind, in that you can actually know who you are, but yet at the same time be open to at least interpreting someone else's point of view, and seeking first to understand before maybe being understood. And uh, sorry, that's a little coveyism for seven habits people. But it's it's one of those things where I went on to Paul and I almost did it today to give him a little pep talk. I'm like, you should not have to apologize for that. And that's oh, the, God, no. That's the one thing that if I'm going to get really passionate and burn up about, it's that I, I'm like the defender of if no one should have to apologize for being thoughtful. That's ridiculous. So yeah. it's like, and we shouldn't denigrate people for... Not having like, we should not denigrate people for absence of venom. It's exactly oh, you're yeah, not it's... being venomous enough. Thus, you're weak and soft, and that just to me, I don't understand that that thinking. And I'm I'm hopeful that the voting process will not turn into just some sort of hate mongering clash of tribes. Cause I'm i I'm afraid, I'm afraid that that's what's going to, and it's going to make a mockery of the whole voting process. We're, we're going to yeah. say, you know what, the whole voting process a mockery anyway. So let's just destroy this Hugo.
1: Let's yeah. Let's, let's everybody throw down our hockey gloves, pull out our sticks and go at each other. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, there are big commercials about that in Canada. That that That's a thing up here, but yeah, I like, I, that actually bothers me because Paul is a, a fantastic guest and he was wonderful on the show he he really did have some uh, he he had some fantastic points about the hugo, and it it wasn't even that he was I, I i think you're right in saying it was a lack of venom he wasn't coming on the show to to throw you know to sling mud he was coming on the show to talk about the hugos and he did a brilliant job. He pointed out things that I had never thought of, that I'd never thought of before, and one of them was with the doctor who stuff you know it had never occurred to me that some of the voting could just be out of the fact that people didn't have time they'd been doing this for 10 years or they've been doing this you know for however long and they just need to come up with something to put on that ballot and there you have it that that hadn't occurred to me that it was you know that that option was out there and it it makes a lot of sense and he had he had a lot of great points to make too no it it was uh that that bugs me and it's it's I, I think, too, we're, we're not going to be having mudslingers on the show. That's that's the other thing, too. <laughs> well,
0: you and I, I told him that as much. I said we consciously selected you based on your thoughtful points of view and your logical arguments uh, either against or for certain positions and that you weren't just going to come out here and throw down the gloves and drop 18 F-bombs. And then throw down your microphone and walk off. Yeah. I mean, it, we wanted to have a thoughtful conversation and about the topic without, yeah. and being civil about it without having to settle anybody, <laughs> without having to settle anybody down.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, Paul, I have a huge amount of respect for Paul because he's uh he is in his, in his blogs as well. Um, and on Twitter, he's always very professional. Like, I mean, it's uh, and he always expresses himself very well. So it's, I have a lot of respect for that. And the other thing too, is that you see a lot of these very vocal groups. I think what people maybe miss is that there's a large faction of people out there who, We'll listen to both sides and hear both sides, but it's the people who can have a very logical and a very well-spoken argument without getting into the without getting into the venom and mudslinging that end up earning a lot of respect from people who maybe aren't jumping on Twitter or jumping into the bar fight, as I like to call it. So it's and you know Larry and Brad were fantastic on the show too because they, you know, they didn't show up to sling mud, mud either. So it anyway.
0: Yeah, they talked anyway. about, it. mostly they talked about the points, the salient points of their arguments. Hmm. There were things that, and people on the co- have commented on the show, they've done a bit, and that's fine, that's, that's all well and good, and that's exactly what we wanted folks to do. Or, that's what
1: the discussion section is for.
0: Yeah, is to compare and contrast prior statements versus statements they made on the show, hmm. and you know, they, they've either changed their position and either reflected on things and changed their position because there is some timeline that's taken place there yep. uh, or some passage of time that's taken place there, or they just didn't say what they had said somewhere else. And if that's the case, that's a bit unfortunate. You would rather somebody be consistent if they, they truly still believe that, but are just providing a different response. Yeah. But we, we didn't, we didn't know at that point in time, you and I didn't know enough to, or probably hadn't seen some of the insights that were sent on that blog, or recalled those when we we're having that conversation mm-hmm. to press them on that, and that's you know that's something where if we get the opportunity to talk to them again, we can we can ask them to clarify based yeah. on those two, on those two statements. So no, absolutely. Well, with that, let's let's move on to something that really is more important in the grand scheme of things. And several weeks ago, you know, speculative fiction, lost an iconic character and stalwart in the passing the passing of Terry Pratchett and I know even though we're a couple of weeks behind and and kind of reviewing his life and work and providing some commentary on that and a lot has been said as I'd mentioned I was looking at uh, Joe Walton's memorial of him a couple of weeks ago just when we were getting notified about the the Hugo recognition we felt like it was still probably good for us to have a, you and I to have a little chat about that. And, and then also I can provide some perspective as somebody we're going to have, uh, be joining the show too. So I was hopeful he would be able to join us tonight, but I know he, we can, when we have him on, we'll, we'll certainly ask him about Terry Pratchett and the influence that, uh, Terry Pratchett had on him. So, Mm -hmm. so Christy, I, I, I know with his, with his passing, you, you know, you felt strongly, even though we were a couple of weeks behind about, about certainly having us have a bit of a conversation about him.
1: I started reading, I think Terry Pratchett was one of the very first fantasy authors I ever started reading, and that would have been in the early 90s, maybe. Yeah, it would have been in the early 90s. And I remember reading, picking up, uh, it was Pyramids. somebody gave it to me. And I, I was probably one of your otter you know, teenagers, and that I liked comic books, and I liked superheroes. And, <laughs> you know, somebody passed, uh, one, one of my folks, friends, actually, friends of the family, um, she had been reading Terry Pratchett. And she handed me, she, she was in education, and uh, she ended up handing me a, a copy of her book. And uh, she's like, you might really, really like this. We used to go camping with these guys all the time. And she's like, you, I, I think you're really going to enjoy this author. And it was pyramids. And I started reading it, and I guess I would have been maybe 11, 12-ish, but I I finished that book fast. And then I just started reading through them uh, because there was that – the thing that I always admired about his work work, was that there was humor and storylines that branched a young and an older audience, and both parties could enjoy and laugh and talk about and that kind of work is rare. And it's it's you know, it's amazing to find it. And it's a tragedy to lose somebody who's able to give that to the world. So yeah. Were you a reader of Terry Pratchett Much Brent?
0: I so I've come to the I ended up coming to the Pratchett party late, but I but I did end up coming. And so this is something that I really didn't start reading Terry until after Viable Paradise. And so for folks that have been listening to the show, they know I attended Viable Paradise in 2009. And so, and one of the things that was really eye-opening to me was to watch, so if people are familiar with the, the format of Viable Paradise, you have anywhere between 20 to 25 either writers that have published something and maybe lost their way or are aspiring and show some level of talent and or enough perspiration and perseverance that they've convinced the they've con- convinced the instructors that they're worth bringing to the to the workshop, and so to watch in the evenings, you know, we would have social time, and I was sitting in a social circle and listening. To, now I was familiar with Terry Pratchett and his work, but at that time had just not de- dove into his work. But to watch nearly. The entire class have their own hour to hour and a half 90 minute lecture. It was their own 90-minute roundtable discussion basically around Pratchett's work. Like one person just launched in, they were having a conversation about all these different authors, and then one person launched in to talk about Terry Pratchett. And the conversation about Terry Pratchett literally did not stop for 90 minutes within yeah. that group. And so after that, my must-read list. He was up on the top of my must read list and I ended up, so I obviously ended up picking up the color of magic and I started, you know, with the Discworld works and started and got them through audible, which is an entirely different experience oh, than, probably, than probably reading them. And that makes me also think about it. On some level, which is sad to me, because that was about the time, I'm trying to think about the time he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's.
1: 2007.
0: Okay, so, so I attended Bible, yeah. at that point in time, there wasn't a lot of talk about his diagnosis during the, the workshop, but I remember because I was picking up his work, it seemed to coincide. I was like, okay, there's all this talk about he's, he's ill. Mm-hmm. And, and so at, at the same time then, what was, what's sad to me about that experience from a reading experience is from my point of view, he's going to be as well known. Where in your point of view, you have this experience of Terry Pratchett. You knew him as just Terry Pratchett, the author. Yes. And I have this conjoined experience of Terry Pratchett, the stalwart, an icon within our field but Mm -hmm. also the advocate for for Alzheimer's. And it's a conjoined kind of, I I can't separate the two concepts. And so one of the the things I know that I had watched as I was reading him was the BBC, uh, Richard, I think it's Richard Dimbleby lectures that they did. It's about, it's about an hour where he goes on and I, it's called shaking hands with death. And he's talking about uh, ruminations on death and the death experience and how individuals should have the opportunity for assisted death. And mm-hmm. so as equally as profound as he was within the field, I'm also, I, I carry that experience of really starting to pay attention to his advocacy Around around Alzheimer's and dementia, and a lot of that has to do with. At the same time, um, I have family members, so my grandfather was diagnosed with with dementia and to watch that life experience. So I think equally as much about his advocacy as, as much as I do his work. And all I could think about while that was going on was what he was robbed of. Yeah. Be- because his juxtap from a work standpoint, his juxtaposition. Of one of my favorite types of humor is observational humor, and one of the things I really enjoyed about his work, and even even in that BBC lecture, the thing that you pick up in the lecture because he's written the lecture and Tony Robinson performs it, who I know has narrated and performed some of his other works, is that is that you see this juxtaposition of very serious items. And then there's a wit about them. There's a yeah. there's a humorous twist, and there's just such an intellect that that is behind all that wit. That you know, I I had this conjoined experience of while I'm reading him, saying, "What is the the world being robbed of?" Even you know, yeah. just years ago. So,
1: and you know, the thing too about about that kind of wit and just his the way he was able to, you know, the type of humor that was in those books is, it's. The kind of observation and humor that transcends age and life experience, if that makes sense, because a lot of his observations, they're clear enough for like a twelve or thirteen year old to pick up. Yeah. And yeah, that that was what that was something that was amazing for me when I started reading those books. and it's you know without pan and the the amazing way he was able to communicate somebody to my age at the time, but without pandering which is something you see a lot now in, in, you know, in a wide range of YA, there's, there's a fair bit of, of pandering to an age group, but also just without talking down to anybody, you know, it's, it's, you know, he was really, anyway, it's no, it's, it's interesting because I had started picking up, I, I read through a ton of Terry Pratchett when I was um, in my early teens and then I picked it up again when I was at university so that would have been around around the time it would would have been 2004, 2005, because it was in the news that he had had a stroke, which was actually a misdiagnosis, which, you know, later came out to be a misdiagnosis. A but um, originally they thought they thought it was a stroke just because of the rare manifestation of um, of the disease that he had. But, yeah, and I, I started reading through some of his other stuff. And, and one of the ones that pops to mind actually is Mort. Which, which I loved, but it, it deals with those types of topics, you know, that you you mentioned, which is, is death and such. He also did a, correct me if I'm wrong, but he did a documentary on his disease as well. Or he, he did. Participated- it's,
0: it, yeah. it was a BAFTA award-winning. I'll link to it and the BBC. I know the BBC piece is out on YouTube. I know when his passing occurred a couple of weeks ago, people were sharing it out on Twitter and I ended up rewatching portions of it or, or listening to portions of it because he passed when I was in Albuquerque. And and I know I had, you know, while I was at my parents' house, I had been watching the Twitter feed go on and then picking up and reading several several different people's blog posts on the topic. Yeah. So we'll definitely share that. And so the individual, we're, we're going to bring on a new sometimes co-host and new interviewer and and he will give him the full opportunity to, to talk about Terry Pratchett, but he's, by his DNA, he is very much a humorist, and I know I was speaking with him last night, and his name is John Wiswell, and folks may know him, he, he was a viable Paradise graduate, he wasn't in the same year as me, but John and I know each other from past world cons, we broke and bred together, and... And he was funny. In the matter of fact, I met him first at the Chicago, at at Chi-Con. And we were at a lunch event together there. And he heard me speak. And he pointed across the table. It was pretty funny. It's the first time my voice has been recognized. He pointed across (laughs) the table and he said, Adventures in Sci-Fi Publishing! And I went, yes. Which was very surreal. But since John... We're we're gonna have John Wisswell on the show. He's been he has some prior podcast experience. He was on a, a geek podcast called Consumed that's since been retired. And we're gonna bring him on to be the kind of yin to Christie's Yang on some of the ga- gamer segments. Video games, yeah, yes. on some of the gamer segments because it's complete serendipity that last week Christie and I are talking. And I said I'm thinking about bringing this John Wiswell guy on, and I, I want to introduce you to him. And then, just as I'm about ready to go to bed, John and, and Christy and I at this point had been talking about the game she was playing, which is Bloodborne. And then, and I, I just don't have the disposable time to, to play games <laughs> right now. I'm a I'm a reformed gamer. Although my as I've mentioned several times, my son likes to play a ton, a lot, and. <laughs> And so we're talking about Bloodborne, and I'm about ready to go to bed. and I'm looking at Twitter just for my head's about ready to hit the pillow, and I see this tweet from John Wiswell, and it's I forget what the exact tweet was. How you know do
1: that? I tool wield my hands?
0: <laughs> yeah, that
1: was sweet, and that was that yeah, we 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 had a, there there was some uh, camaraderie going on in our household about, over that tweet. Yeah, how do I do wield my hands?
0: So at that point, I said my good deed of the night before my hit. the fellow will be John meet Christy, Christy meet John, and you guys hit it off on Twitter, so we'll bring John on to be kind of a, a gamer co-host, he'll, he'll certainly talk about topics of literature too, he's very well read, and he's committed to do, you know, he's committed to do probably five to seven interviews as well, he's going to be attending 4th Street, ReaderCon if I co- recall correctly he's an east coast guy and then world fantasy so we'll we'll see if he'll do five to seven interviews uh he'll be on occasionally as a co-host for certain but as a humorist one of the things he shared with me about Pratchett and I think we'll leave leave folks with this about Pratchett so we're going to welcome John on here soon but the one thing he and I were talking about Pratchett because we were talking last night for about an hour was he's a humorist and he said he you know he kind of cut his teeth, John did, on on Douglas Adams. And then he discovered Terry Pratchett. And between the two of them it told him, hey, it's okay. You can be a humorist within speculative fiction. And he he told me he is really feeling the loss of, of Terry Pratchett because right now he doesn't feel like the field it, there's a huge void that's been created
1: there is no I, I agree 100% on that one it's 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 oddly enough science fiction and fantasy tends to take a very serious leaning and and yeah he's no John's absolutely right on that one it's it's there totally is a void
0: he called it John quoted it he called I'm going to quote John he called it the reign of seriousness yeah in speculative fiction. So you guys will enjoy John, and and that'll allow me to be a little bit more serious and less of a huckster, because um, I know that's part of his DNA to be. I may be working too hard to try and be funny, and most people are probably unsubscribed. No, you're result, not. So. You're doing fine. <laughs> I
1: I am really excited to get another because um, I, I I know we chat games a little bit, but uh, I'm I'm going to be really interested to um to maybe do some little mini game reviews with John. You know, just have two opinions because games are like books. You know, you can have very different reactions to them depending on who's playing. So I'm really looking forward to that too.
0: Yeah, he told me last night, just he said to me, I really want to talk. So I told him where you wanted to go with this whole, the gaming discussion and really talking about story. As an avenue for our entree of discussing these things on the show, and he said, "Well, then I really want to talk to Christy about Bloodborne because I feel like the story is extremely obtuse." (laughs) It is,
1: yeah, yeah. No, we're we're gonna have. I I think John and I. I'll have to chat with John, and I, I think I think we'll come up with a little discussion to have on Bloodborne because it's the the storytelling is. I'll, I'll, I'll take a tooth, but it's, it's, they're doing something and they're doing something on purpose and, and it's, it's, it's kind of cool. And some gamers are really, really, really good to enjoy it. You know, some players, uh, you know, such as we are here, but, uh, but yeah, they, it's, they're doing something different, you know, and it's the kind of thing you can only do in video games.
0: Well, and so, and, and so John, yeah, I don't want to go any further than that. Cause I know no more than that. Although John wanted to work me, John being John, John's great because he's so inclusive. John said, I'd love to have Christy and I talk about these games, but I want to include you as the Virgin Gamer, too. Yeah. So we're going to make... He said... He suggested that... He said, Christy and I will throw out a game, and we're going to make you play the game, and then provide your perspective as as Virgin Gamer.
1: Oh, that's a brilliant idea.
0: So we'll, we'll we'll see where we go with that. I'm not necessarily a Virgin... I have played video games, folks. It's not that I'm not. It's just been... Outside of probably Mario Kart, which I play I, I was playing that quite a bit, the types of games we're talking about I have not I have not played in some time. So it's yeah. prob it's probably been fifteen years since I've probably played the type of story driven games that we would be talking about on the show. So okay. which is fine. It that'd be cool. I sit down and watch I sit down and watch my son occasionally play Uncharted. Because he really loves that show and I think it's I, I, I think it's cool the way it's been developed and I'll, I'll yeah. actually sit down occasionally and watch him play that. but yeah so
1: yeah there there was a joke odd, oddly enough on uncharted there was a joke that came out when that I think it was when the sequel came out that it was and it, it, I guess a bit bad taste now but uh, but the joke was that it was somebody's girlfriend and uh, the guy was calling in and he's like, you know my girlfriend's convinced that this is a movie you know, because it's, because it is so cinematic and, Mm. and they're just like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You know, just, just go with it. And it's, you know, having said, you always have to say, you know, 50% of gamers are women, but it's true. Those video games are, they, they play out as well as some better, in fact, than some TV shows or movies. So Mm -hmm. anyway, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, the only thing I wish about that game is that, you know, they provide all these profanity filters and the different options, mm-hmm. is I wanted to take that game and I wanted a Sully option where I could clean up his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's just, yeah. that, that's just the parent in me. Yeah. I'm like, can't they bleep him at least? Can I toggle a switch to just bleep yep. him? Now, it may be bleeping every 15 seconds, but I wanted to bleep him in the worst way. <laughs> All right. Well, you've got NorWestCon coming up. You want to give a quick preview of, of NorWestCon and, and what you think you have on on tap there? And you and I are going to do, be doing a little testing. I thought about doing a little testing of Periscope, which we may do it off, off our uh, discussion here, a little testing of Periscope. You might be doing some live streaming.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'm my goal. I've got Periscope geared up on my uh, on my iPhone. So I'm the goal is to do some Periscope, just to do some little quick bites with authors at NorwestCon. So NorwestCon is the sci-fi fantasy convention that's held in Seattle every year, always on the Easter long weekend, which is this weekend. And this year they've got George R. Martin is the guest of honor. So there is going to be an influx of fans. Mm. I'm hoping I don't get trampled. I think a lot of writers are thinking that right now. Uh, but it's it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm So I am actually, this is the first time I'm going to NorwestCon as a writer panelist. So I'm going to be on, uh, I'm on a handful of panels. I just uh, put them up on my own website. But um, I'm going to be doing some science-y ones, and I'm going to be doing some urban fantasy ones. So uh, the very first panel I do is zombies you know how how does the biology of a zombie apocalypse and I I think that one's going to be a lot of fun so but I'm also going to be going around and uh, I've I've sort of pinned down a few authors already who have who have agreed to sort of do 15 minutes with me and I'm going to be just doing some quick interviews and chatting with them about books they've got coming out I, for a convention like that, it's almost better to do little fifteen or ten minute bites because that way, because there's so many authors in one spot, that's that's sort of the fun, wonderful thing about uh, about these conventions. So I'm um, going to be bombarding some people that I know have books that have come out recently, and a couple that I'm actually reviewing at the moment. So, so yeah.
0: Well, so, excellent. You you have- and I will
1: be live tweeting those as well. Like I'll be tweeting once I do, so people will have an idea of of who. I have talked to and who will be posted eventually. I will be tweeting who I've actually managed to pin down and corner in the bar and get a few minutes out of.
0: So, well, you'll have to live stream them once you and I figure out how to do that too. You can at least yeah. live stream a, a quick hello,
1: yeah. And
0: what and whatever craft beer you two, the, the two of you are enjoying.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So. Very very important part.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, Are you doing a reading or, or anything of the sort?
1: I am you doing a reading. About? Yeah. No, I'm doing a reading on Friday at I think eleven thirty a m.
0: Okay. How long's your reading gonna be? Half an hour. Half an hour. Yeah, that would be cool too if you can get a volunteer to turn the turn the your phone on to you for a couple minutes of your reading.
1: Oh, yeah, sure. definitely.
0: because okay. i'll I'll make I'll make sure that goes out then. I think we can make that happen. that's specific time, right? Yeah we'll we'll get that shared. Do you have a great time at the convention? And for everybody else we'll we'll talk to you soon, okay? Take care. Bye everybody. Visit Adventures in Sci Fi Publishing for show notes, links, reviews, special guests, videos, and more. Email us at Adventures in Sci Fi Publishing at gmail.com. Sound effects from the Free Sounds Project, Music by Asymmetry, found at musically.com. No authors were seriously damaged in the making of this podcast.